Praise them. Hallelujah. How many of you know that you are blessed? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You can have a seat. Amen. It is an honor and a privilege for me to be here before you today. It's not often that I do get up here, but when I do, I just enjoy it so much. <laughs> I have to say. What happened? Oh, I got to do it more often. Okay. Um, um, the Lord has been impressing upon my heart a message that I've had for quite some time now. I, I have to say that it's been months, really. Um, and when my husband was giving out preaching dates, finally somebody said, oh, why don't you put Pastor Gwen? I said, yeah, good idea, because, you know, I really had to get this word out of my spirit and give it to you all today. Um, let me preface by saying I'm not here to preach you happy, um, but I am here to preach the truth. Um, and that is something that is not easy to do, um, and not many people take it well. But the Lord has had me in the book of Ezekiel. He told me, read Ezekiel the beginning, the first, from the beginning. And I understand why the Lord was saying that, because it just goes apropos with the message that God has shown me months ago. So I'm here to give you some truth because I love you. And the Lord loves you. And the Lord wants us to be saved. He wants us to know Christ Jesus in a deeper way. Um, so I'm here for that today. Um, so if you guys have your Bibles, I'm going to be reading a lot of scripture today. So I don't know if you have pens and papers or your tablets or whatever it is you have. Um, and you want to write the scriptures down, you can do that. But I just pray that your spiritual eyes will be open today and your spiritual ears will be open to hear and see what the Lord is saying this day. When I was titling this message, I didn't know how quite to title it, but I, I titled it finally this way, Seven Sins That Will Keep You Earthbound at the Return of Christ. Seven Sins That Will Keep You Earthbound at the Return of Christ. I'm going to try my best to get through it today, but there's no guarantees. There's so much. It's chock full of scriptures, and there's so much that I have to give. But I wrote a little introduction here, and this is for you guys to think a little bit. I said, many of us are living our lives today as if tomorrow has been promised to us. I don't know what world you're living in, but I'm living in a world where I'm seeing things, the word of God being accomplished. And I don't know what world you're living in. Are you living in a world that Christ is way, way off somewhere in the distance, maybe eons from now? Or are we living in a world where we see what is happening, where our spiritual eyes are open and we're seeing literally biblical prophecy coming to fruition. I'm not sure which one you live in, but I'm seeing a lot of things happen. And when you do a lot of research, you're realizing, my God, we are closer to the coming of Christ than we've ever been before. So I said, you know, tomorrow has never been promised to me. It's never been promised to you. And this is why it behooves us to get our lives right with God now and to be doing God's work. Now, many of us, we've said before, are hearers of the word, but we're not really doers of the word. The truth is, if Christ returned tomorrow, how many of us will truly be prepared? How many of our lamps will be filled with oil? And have we purchased extra oil? 
as we wait for our groom to return. I fear that many of us have no understanding when it comes to the present danger we find ourselves in today. There is a present danger here in this world today. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13 through 14, and I'm going to put up, hopefully they can put up the video, a little video, a little picture what, what, that I asked them to put up. Enter, Matthew 7, 13 to 14, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Now listen to that again. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. We're talking about a huge passageway here, if you want to call it that. It's wide. The, gates of the, the road to the gates of hell is wide. That's what the Bible says. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few will find it. Wow. Okay, there's a whole message there, people. Did you see it? Just in those two verses alone. Because it says that narrow is the gate, and there are few who will find it. That should be alarming to everybody right now. I don't know. Ding, 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 ding. You know, the bell's going off, anybody? I think that when I read those scriptures... I kind of tremble because it says that few will find it. So that puts me at a place where I start to self-reflect myself about where I'm going, where I'm heading in Christ Jesus. See, there goes the little pictures. Wide is the gate that wide and broad is the gate that leads to hell, and the one that leads to heaven is narrow. Let's go to Ezekiel. Ezekiel three eighteen. When I saw a wicked man, I mean, sorry. When I say to a wicked man, you will surely die, and you do not warn him to speak out to dissuade him from his evil ways in order to save his life, that wicked man will die for his sin, and I will hold you accountable for his blood. Now, when you read the book of Ezekiel, you know, the Israelites were in sin, in grave sin. And the Lord sent Ezekiel into him, go tell the people, Go warn them that they are in sin. Because if you don't warn them and they die in their sin, then I will hold you accountable for their blood. Well, let me tell you today. The Lord led me to these scriptures and I, the Lord said to me, speak to the people because my time is close. And you're responsible to speak forward just as Ezekiel was. Get your life right with God. That we need to stand with God, with his word, and we need to get our lives right with God. Now, I understand that this is not a popular message. It's not a happy message for most people. But that's okay. Because it's a necessary message. Because God loves us. And he wants that no man should what? Should perish. That's right. So that's why I'm speaking this message today. Let's go to that um, to uh, Ezekiel three twenty again. When a righteous man turns from his righteousness and does evil, and I put a stumbling block before him, he will die. Since you did not warn him, I will. He will die for his sin. The righteous things he did will not be remembered, as I will hold you accountable for his blood. So today, I wanted to bring forth this message because I don't want to be held accountable. 
And I'm going to shoot forward straight, if that's okay with you today. But many of us are here sitting in the pews today, and we're in sin. I'm shooting straight from the hip what the Lord gave me, and I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm not. We're living our lives in sin as if God, like I said, isn't coming for eons and eons and eons. And I've told you this before, and I'll tell you again. Stop watching the garbage on TV that you guys are watching. Because it's not edifying to your soul. We're watching a lot of things, and we have believed a lot of things and a lot of lies. We're believing a lot of lies because we are being told these lies through television. And that is one of the means that the enemy uses today to lie to you. And we just repeat the lies without having ever done research. And that's the truth. First John 3, 6, 9. And this is very, I've read this scripture before over and over, but this is very, just God and very straightforward. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. Look what the Bible says. Not me. This is God's word. This is not my word today. This is God's word. No one who lives in him keeps sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Now look at that for a moment. No one who continues to sin, sin has either seen him or known him. I'm going to say that we, some of us are sitting in the pews, but we really don't know God. Because we are continuing in sin even though we're saying we're raising our hands and we're praising him, we continue to sin. I'm going to give you those seven sins because they pretty much encompass everything in life. So if you know God, you will not continue to sin because God is in you. Let's keep reading. Dear children, do not anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous. Just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of what? Of the devil. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the son of God appeared was to destroy what? The devil's work. No one who is born. Now listen to this because this is very important. No one who is born. And I'm talking about born of God will continue to sin. Because God's seed remains in him he cannot go on sinning because he because he has been born of god and that is so true now and this is where you have to question yourself this is where you have to question yourself because i'm going to tell you something when the lord returns and that trumpet blows many of us will stay behind if we don't get our lives right with god today and that's the truth First John 5.18, we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. Now, I call something, I, you know, we are all sinners, right? We're all sinners and we fall short of the glory of God. We know that verse. And we all are. But what I'm talking about here is habitual sin. There's a difference. We may, you may sin today and then you say, oh, I made a mistake. And you turn around, you do a 180 degree turn. And you walk away from that sin. You ask God for forgiveness and you walk away. And you get your life right with God. But I'm talking about habitual sin. People who 
because they believe God loves them. Oh, for God so loved the world. And I've heard that verse used by a lot of people who are in habitual, what I call habitual sin, continual sin. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And they take that totally out of context. They don't really read into it what it really means. And that's a whole other message in itself. But they continue to live a life of sin and just use John 3, 16, God will forgive me. And they wake up every day repenting, but they really have not repented. You know why? Because they continue in their sin. They continue to walk in the mess they're in and they don't stop. It's the difference when you make, you make a mistake, you sin and you repent, like I said, you too, but doing a 180 degree turn means total repentance. You, you go, you come away from that thing. A lot of people do 360 degrees. They come all the way around back to the same place. And it's not just a one, you know, it's, it's a continual thing. So do you not believe that God knows our hearts? He can see our hearts and he knows our hearts. He knows what's in there. And God knows when we truly repent and when we, it's just a joke. True repentance means stopping what you're doing. You need to stop what you're doing. We need to stop what we are doing. Everything and anything that goes against the word of God, we need to stop. Yes, we're in this world, but we're not supposed to be part of this world or partaking of the things of this world that go against God and against the word of God. I tell you, a message of repentance is not a popular message, like I said, but it is a much needed one, especially today, because you don't hear, you hear a lot of messages on encouragement, on vision, on prosperity and all that. But very few are preaching, repent. Get your life right with God. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Like Ezekiel, you know people who are in sin. Why haven't you spoken to them? When was the last time you pulled somebody aside and said, you're in sin. You know, I fear for your, for your soul. You know, you, if you don't get your life right, I fear for your soul that your soul might not make it to heaven. When was the last time you told somebody that? Because I'm going to tell you, I've done it so many times. And I'm not very popular because of it. But if I find out something about you, you better bet your boots I'm going to approach you. And I'm going to let you know. Because I love you. And that's true love. We know people who are doing wrong, yet we just sit aside and we do not speak to them. We do not tell them. So can we truly say we love them? Or care about them? Or care about their soul? Care about where they're going? where they're heading and people who know me here know I've approached you if you've done something wrong and I've spoken to you because I care about where you're going so if you want to do this all day long like I said I'm not apologizing today if you want to do this all day long and praise and worship and make it seem like you're saved and yet you're in sin I got some I got some news for you you are deluded and you're deluding yourself. You are deluded and you are deluding yourself. And we want others to see us, oh, I'm praising God. But are we really walking right with God? 
Forget about the appearance thing. I want to look good, raising my hands. Are you walking right with God? Are you living his word? And that's okay. I don't want amens. I don't, I, like I said, this is not a popular message. But I know it's going to hit you anyway, you know, because we all have to speak these things. We have to speak truth in love, and we have to recognize within ourselves. And I want you to self-introspect today and look at yourself deep inside. We're going to go through those sins. Oh. <clears throat> I, I, you know, the, the, I read a Charisma, ma- I tell you about the Charisma Magazine article that I read that inspired me also to write, to get this message together. And one of the things they said was the kingdom of darkness was birthed in pride. And it so was. What was the first sin? You know, what was one of the first sins before even Adam and Eve? Yeah. The kingdom of darkness was birthed in pride that filled Satan's heart. You can find that in Isaiah 14, 12 through 18. Satan's arrogance had its roots in his physical, what beauty? Go to Ezekiel 28, 12 through 18. The original sin took place in the Garden of Eden as a result of the serpent's appeal to the pride of Adam and who? Eve. Pride is one of the three root sins of mankind. And the first one, write it down, is pride. Pride will kill you. The wrong type of pride. And I'm not talking about pride that you're prideful. Oh, I have pride in my son. He just graduated from college. Or I'm happy that my, my child just got an award, you know, for swimming or whatever. I'm not talking, that, that's good pride. That's not, that's not the pride I'm talking about. That's not the kind of pride we're talking about today. We're talking the, about the kind of pride that defiles you. Okay, we're talking about pride defiles you in Psalm 10:4. Jesus said pride comes out of what out of the heart of a person and defiles them. Pride comes right out of the heart. Number two, contention and strife. Pride breeds contention and strife. Pride is the root. You go to see this in Mark 7:22. Pride is the root of all contention and strife. I mean, you knew that today. And it makes sense because somebody tells you something, you have pride, you don't want them to get away with it. So it can breed contention and strife. And I think most people struggle with that. I struggle with that sometimes. I'm being truthful and all of you should have your hand up too. Don't act all innocent. Don't act all innocent on me. Come on, people. Number three, it brings contention. Oh, we said that before, but I want you to go to Proverbs 13, 10. Don't turn there. Like I said, there's a lot of scriptures, so just write them down. Only by pride cometh contention, but with the, but with the well advised is what wisdom. And number four is it brings destruction. Pride brings a lot of destruction in relationships. It brings destruction around you in your job place. Pride can just bring everything down if you're not careful. And Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goes before what? The fall, destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. So pride is one of the biggest problems we have here on earth. And again, not good pride, but the wrong type of pride. And I know that at one point or another, we all have had issues with pride. Come on. 
We've all had to deal with pride. We all are guilty of that. I'm the first one, you know, of pride. We don't want to lose an argument. Come on, people. We want to be right all the time. I know better than you. Just listen to me. You know, but we don't want to listen to the other person. And then from there, problem after problem, because it breeds and it grows and it grows and it grows. Next thing you know, your relationship is over. Your relationship is a mess because of pride. And nobody wants to humble themselves. Everybody wants to be right. And so everything becomes a mess. Our lives become a mess. And I'm telling you, it was Satan's sin, pride. So today, he heaps it upon the people of God, upon this world. This world is filled with pride. From the beginning of time. Number two is greed. That's the second one, greed. And I'm going to tell you, I always say this to people. Follow the money. Because the Bible talks about money being what? The root of what? Of all evil, and it really is. I'm going to submit to you today that every war we have ever fought has been because of greed. I don't care what you've heard <laughs> and what you've seen in books and what you've been told. The bottom line is war is very profitable. Did you know that? We make a lot of money. The gut, Well, not we. You and I are still in the same boat. But these greedy people who are starting these wars that's killing our children because our children are the ones that go to fight it. They're racking in the bucks while your children are dying. And many of these wars have been started because of greed, because they want something in that country. And in order to get it, they start a war to get whatever resources It has to do with resources. It has to do, but then when the war starts, there are people lining their pockets with money because it makes money. You have to start building. So there's contracts. Look at how it works. Their contracts begin. Oh, we have to make more planes. We have to make more submarines. We have to, and this is not a hundred dollars, two hundred dollars. We're talking about billions and trillions of dollars. So now contracts are being signed and money is being exchanged and companies, big corporations are raking in the box on the blood of our children. If you want to know what is wrong with this world, in a nutshell, just follow the money. Follow the money because it's, it is truly the root of all evil. And we'll be talking more a little bit about that. But greed makes us vulnerable to sin. And that's the truth. First Timothy 6, 9 through 10 says, It makes a person more vulnerable to temptation. And it's just a spiritual snare. It creates foolish and hurtful lusts, which will drown a person in destruction and perdition. And I'm going to also say that greed is a type of lust because, you know, people lust to have more. And those who have is not enough. They want more. Haven't you ever seen that? Rich people get richer. Haven't you ever heard the old cliche, rich people get richer? And poor people get poorer. 
And there's an imbalance in this country, an imbalance in this nation. I was doing some research and found out that 2% of the nation's wealth, I mean, 2% of the people own the entire nation's wealth. Can you imagine that? Think about that for a second. What happens to the rest of us? The other... Ninety-eight percent. So greed is something that is continual. Once you're a greedy person and you lust for money, lust for you know power, greed, everything, it just continues to grow and grow, and you never have enough. You're never happy because you never have enough. You can never get enough because it's a spiritual problem. That's what it is. It's a spiritual problem. I don't know about you guys. I'll be happy with five hundred thousand dollars if I ever had it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, just to be okay. You know, I don't have to be rich, but people, you tell them, five, you know, it's a drop in the bucket. They don't want the 500000 They want the billions, the millions. Billions turn to billions. Billions turn to trillions. You know, and there's never enough. Yet there's people in, around the world starving, and where's that money going? What a waste of money. God help us all. It causes, Greek causes us to err, or to err, how do you guys say it? E-R-R, err, to err. It causes a person to err from the faith, and it pierces a person through with many sorrows. Greed also leads to lying. Acts 5, 110, Ananias and Sapphira, remember? They lied to the Holy Spirit when they told the apostle Peter that they were bringing what? The whole price of their land as an offering to God. And what happened? They kept part of the money. They gave some of it, but they kept part of the money for themselves. They were what? They were lying to Peter, lying to God, of course, and you can't lie to God. I don't know how people think they can lie to God. I don't know how they can walk and think that they're going to lie to God and say something that's not true. I mean, you can lie to me and make up stories. That's fine. I mean, believe you, I may not. But when you're lying to God, it's a whole different story because God knows everything. God knows the heart of man. He knows exactly what you're saying. But they were trying to lie, and they were trying to hold back some of that offering money. And they were lying to the who? To God, to the Holy Spirit and the apostles. And unfortunately for them, judgment was both swift and deadly. Now, I want to tell you something. I've, been, I've heard already two testimonies. There's been five already out there, five that I know of so far, that have to do, um, and these are five people who don't know each other. They come from different walks of life and do not know each other at all. And when I was talking before about how the Lord is coming quickly and the Lord is closer than you think, these five people from different walks of life have had dreams and visions and all five of them put it out there for people to hear. These people who don't know each other. And I'm going to tell you something. When God is getting ready to do something, he's warning. He's giving us warnings. He's telling you, get ready, get ready, get ready. I'm almost coming. I'm at the gate. And the vision and the dream are all similar. I was, I was shocked that, you know, these people don't know each other, yet the visions that were given to them and the dreams that they had correlated one with the other, and this was it. Both the ones that I heard, but there's five of them so far. 
one got taken in a vision. He said, the Lord, show me clocks everywhere. There were clocks, many clocks. This is what both the two that I heard so far said exactly the same thing. Many clocks everywhere. But the clocks had no hands. So they were just clocks with numbers with no hands, which is kind of unusual. And both people I've heard so far, they said so far there's been five of them. I got to hear the others said to the Lord, Lord, what does this mean? What does it mean that, you know, I'm seeing a bunch of clocks, but they have no hands. What does this mean? And the Lord said, they have no hands because time is over. I'm returning soon and the time is up. And one of them said, but Lord, we're not ready. We have to, you know, how about my brother and my sister? You know, he started talking to the Lord about the brother, the sister, the who, the this person, you know, whatever. And the Lord says, you speak to them because time is up. He says, I am at the gate and I'm ready to come. Now, when I heard those testimonies, I was like, wow, this person is from England because you could hear their accent as they were talking their testimony. Another person was American because you could hear the, te- you know. So these are people from different walks of life who do not know each other, who have had either the same dream or vision about the clocks. People, there's an urgency right now. This is the time for us to, if you have loved ones who are unsaved, we need to speak to them immediately, right away, as soon as we can, because time is of the essence. Like I said, stop living as if you have tomorrow. Tomorrow may never come. Tomorrow may not be here for us. So if you have loved ones, speak to them today. If you know someone who you know is a good friend and is in sin, speak to them. Let them know in love. You know, I fear for your soul. I fear for you. And let them know in love. At least their blood would not be in your hands if they don't repent. But when you have knowledge of something, God will make you responsible for that. Well, why didn't you tell them? That's the way I feel. Why didn't you speak up and say something when you knew they were doing wrong? But we're more, we worry more about relationship, that that person will never speak to us again, relationships, than we do about getting somebody's soul saved. We worry more how they're going to receive it, how they're going to take it, than speaking truth to them because you don't want their soul to end up in hell. Well, I have to say that, you know, being that by nature, I tend to be a loner. If I have to speak up, I'm going to speak up and you don't want to talk to me again, which has happened to me already, by the way, that's fine with me. I did my job. When I go before God, I can say, Lord, I spoke to them and they can't say nobody spoke to them because we're all going to be judged and we're all going to have to stand before God one day. And we're not going to be able to have excuses before God because excuses do not exist before God because he knows us. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows your inner workings, your thoughts, everything that you do and say. He knows. So there ain't going to be no excuses in that day. So if you have to lose a relationship because you love somebody and you want to tell them the truth, you want to preach God's word to them and tell them, get your life right with God because you are out of control, let them know in a loving way. If they repent, fine. If they don't, that's up to them. Like Ezekiel. The the Lord told Ezekiel, 
If they don't repent, then their blood will be in their own hands. It will no longer be in yours. You speak to them. Um, the fourth, where are we? One, two, three, four. Three. We are one. Okay, three. Okay. It also causes us to covet the greed, to covet things. First Timothy 6.10. And we said, First Timothy 6.10 is that, ver- is that verse that, we, um, um, that I said, the love of money is what? The root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with the sorrows. Number four is appetites of the flesh. Appetites of the flesh. Okay? Appetites of the flesh. And when I'm talking about appetites of the flesh, I'm talking about uh, lust of the flesh. If you want to call it that, call it lust of the flesh. I'm talking about everything from fornication to adultery to bestiality to pedophilia, to homosexuality. And I don't care I say it out there because people don't say it anymore because they're trying to shut up the church and they're not going to shut me up. Um, That those are sins before God. We're talking about um, those appetites, pornography. We can go on and on because there's so many. It encompasses a lot of things. Appetites of the flesh breed corruption in a person. Genesis 6 1 says, Demonic forces corrupted the early generations of mankind through what? Through sexual sins. You just go back to the Bible, go back to, to Sodom. You can go back to Sodom, you could go way back. None of what you, you see today, you know, is new. None of what you see today is new. It has been done from the beginning of time. These things have been going on. Since, we, since this world came about, since sin entered the world, all these things have happened and are happening. It, two, it traps and it ensnares you. Numbers 25, 1, 8 and 31, 16. Satan trapped the Israelites by tempting them with sexual sin. Judges 16, 5 through 20, Satan took down who? Samson, by what? Enticing him through the appetites of the flesh. And that's what took him down. And, you know, mighty men couldn't take him down. But it just took that, the appetite of the flesh, a woman, to take him down. It makes you, number three, unclean. 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 8. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. God calls us to be holy, not to be unclean. Praise God. You know, God is a loving God. He is a forgiving God. You know, and all sins are forgiven by God. There's only one that we talk about, which is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. But all sins are forgiven by God. There's nothing that you can do that God cannot forgive you for. Sometimes we have issues and problems forgiving ourselves, but God is a forgiving God and he will forgive you. 
If you come to the th his throne of grace, if you come in repentance and humbleness, God will forgive you. Amen? The apostle Paul warned the church at Thessalon Thessalonica. Yeah, Thessalonica of his, this powerful weapon of the enemy. And he also warned his spiritual son Timothy of the strong snare that appetites are to men of God who want to be vessels of honor in the house of the Lord. People, if you're being, you know, if you have issues with appetites of the flesh, and I'm going to say this, many of us continue to sin because we have not read the word of God. Come on, people. The Bible is like a two-edged sword. It will cut you when you read it. But many of us, how many here can say, I've read the Bible cover to cover? How many of us here can say, I've read one person cover to cover? Kudos to you. Amen. How many people can say, I read the Bible every day? How many people say, I read the Bible every week? How many people say, I read the Bible every month? Or once a year? The reasons why we continue to walk in sin and live in sin is because we don't know God's word. We don't know it. Because... If you knew his word, if you read it, it will cut you. And when it cuts you, it's for your good. Because then you realize when you start reading it, oh my gosh, I didn't know this was in here. So we come to Christ, we, we, we raise our hands, but we don't know God's word. There are many people in church that I've known for years. They're 25, 30 years in church and still don't know the word of God. That's pitiful, people. That's sad. So if you were to read God's word and take it into your spirit, bring it into yourself, people, and bring it into your spirit, live it, that will help you with whatever you're struggling with. And you begin to fall in love with God as you read his word. You fall in love with his word. You fall in love with him. And then you want to please God. And in wanting to please God, you stop your sinning because you want to do what the Bible is telling you, what God is telling you, what his word tells you to do. You begin to live it. If you take it into yourself and you, you begin to read it and really open your heart and your mind to it, you're going to want to live his word, not just read it, but you're going to want to live it. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to submit to you that healing will come for whatever you struggle with. Your healing will come for whatever it is you are struggling with if we knew the word of God and if we were reading his word. I don't know how to impress this because I see so many people struggling. And I'm like, where, you know, it, 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 it baffles me. It's mind-boggling to me. It baffles me because I say, it's, but, you know, haven't you read the word of God and what the word of God says here? It baffles me. And then I realize, no, they probably haven't. Why are you walking in this condition? It baffles me because you don't know him. And like we said before, 
If you continue to sin and you're still in your sin, you don't know God. You've never known him. And that's not me talking. That's the Bible talking. You never knew him. And I said that to somebody not so long ago. Oh, my gosh. They had almost a conniption. You know what they call a conniption? And, you know, and I says, you don't know God. You don't. And don't pretend that you do because you don't. Because if you really knew him, you would not be walking the way you're walking. See, I told you this wasn't going to be a popular message. And that's okay. I love you anyway, and God loves us. And we're walking in very perilous days and times. And we need to begin to open our spiritual eyes and see what is going out on out there. We spend so much time on television and on other f- fruitless nonsense. And yet our lives are not right with God. Yeah, I stopped watching TV a long time ago. I, I can't stand television. Because everything is just pushing sin. All it does is push sin day and night on people. Every program coming out now is pushing perversion of some type. Come on, people of God. That's the truth. And some of you need to repent from watching those shows. It's pushing perversion. And it's not just pushing it on you, it's pushing it on your children. Because some of you let your children watch the television. Come on, let's be for real now. And you're not watching what they're watching. And it's pushing the, ver- the perversion and it's pushing all kinds of garbage onto your children that you're not, you're not even mindful of because your life is too busy with other things or whatever the case may be. Are we too busy for God? How many of you are too busy for God? Are we too busy for his word? Come on, you don't need to answer that. We are at number, you guys help me here, four or five. I'm going to do four or five now because together because it's rebellion and stubbornness. Okay? Isaiah 14, 13 to 15 says, Satan is the author of rebellion. He planned an attempted overthrow of who? Of heaven. Number 16, 150 says, Satan prompted a rebellion against Moses and Aaron using who? Korah and Dathan. 1 Samuel 13, 14. 15, 111. Saul, this is about King Saul. I don't know if you've read his story. Saul was a self-willed and rebellious king over Israel, animated by powers of what? Of darkness. Let me tell you, rebellion is, the Bible says, as what? As witchcraft. How many of us are working in rebellion? Rebellion against God, rebellion against his word. We are rebellious to our parents. We are rebellious against any, any type of authority over us. We don't want to listen. We want to do things our way. People end up dead because of rebellion. <clears throat> Come on. Sometimes the police officer will tell you, put your hands up and you rebel. I'm not doing that. And you get shot. Whose whose fault was that? Come on. For real. I'm talking real stuff here. You see it all the time. You know, one time I was crossing the street with my husband and I saw cops like this with guns like this and pointing at me. 
you know, and I'm like, and I'm coming out of church, you know, and I see it going like this. I went, you know, I stood still, and I went, you know, I don't know, but there, it was somebody behind me that they had the guns pointed at. But I don't know, so I'm, I'm you know, I'm going, you know, I don't know who they pointed the guns at, you know, so they're in authority. Something's going on. They got the guns pointed. I'm like, okay, let me just raise my hands, and, you know, I give up. I surrender, you know, whatever. Many of us, many things have happened because we have been rebellious. We have gone to places. We have done things that our parents have told us, don't go there, don't do that, and then your children end up losing their lives because of it. They get into things that they shouldn't get into. And you're telling them, I don't want you reading those books. I don't want you listening to that music because it's not godly music. It's not good music. Yet your children, children tend to rebel and they go and they listen to it anyway. And then they're putting this music into their hearing. You know, whatever comes in, comes in through the eyes and the ears, people. I'm telling you right now. It comes in. You know, the music that you're hearing, the things that shows that you're allowing to watch. Oh, my gosh. If you guys knew some of the shows, even children's shows that are really not on the up and up, that are indoctrinating our children today. You know, and I have to also submit to you today that you, all of us here today, including myself, has been indoctrinated from the day we were born. We have been indoctrinated by the system, by this world. They tell us what they want us to know, what they want us to believe, and we believe it without doing any kind of research or without reading God's word. But people perish, and they perish. Why? Because of lack of knowledge, because we don't bother to research. We don't bother to find out things for ourselves. I'm going to say today, as I'm ministering to you and I'm speaking this word today, how many of you wrote down the scriptures? A lot of people do not do that. So they don't compare. They don't go home and compare. Let me see what the pastor said. Let me see if it's true. And they don't compare. They don't go read it for themselves. You're just believing what I'm telling you now. Come on, people. I could be telling you a whole lot of nonsense. And if you don't go and look it up yourself, you don't go read the Bible for yourself and see if it's true or not, you're just going to believe me, and then you're just going to repeat what I said to someone else without knowing if it's really true or not. We call it in Spanish, papagayando. You know, you hear like something, and then you repeat it without knowing if it's true or not. You, don't, you just repeat it. You don't know. I hear people repeating things to me, and I'm like, where did you get that from? You know, and if you ask them, oh, somebody told me. Well, where did the somebody get it from? Okay. So we said we readiness as witchcraft. Bitterness is number six. And bitterness has a lot to do uh, with unforgiveness. And unforgiveness gives the enemy what? A foothold. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 said, Be ye angry and what? And sin not, let not the sun what? Go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to who? This means do not give him an area of jurisdiction. Do not give the enemy an area of jurisdiction. I'm going to submit to you today. I'm going to tell you today that when you are unforgiving, you Give the devil a foothold. You open up a door for the devil to come and harass you. 
That's why I said, do not give him a foothold. You open up a door for the enemy to come in and harass you and bring you down if you're not careful. Plus, what happens with unforgiveness? What does the Bible say about unforgiveness? That if you cannot, let's go to Matthew 6.15 and Mark 11.26. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. If you do not forgive your brother who has trespassed against you, then your father cannot forgive you. Now, if you have no forgiveness for someone and you can't forgive them, then how can God forgive you? Now, if God can't forgive you because you haven't forgiven your brother or your sister or your father or your mother or your whoever, your uncle or your aunt or whoever it is who did something to you, then if you can't forgive them, God cannot forgive you. Now, you, I want to ask you something. If God can't forgive you, are you saved? If God cannot forgive you, are you saved? Think about that for a minute, because that's not me. That's the Bible. The Bible says that God cannot forgive you. He cannot, because you can't forgive your brother or your sister. And that brings me back to the testimony of a, I don't have much time left, but it brings me back to the testimony of a pastor who passed away, and he said, the Lord spoke to him. He said he saw hell. And the angel took him on a tour of hell. And I'm not going to get into deep into the testimony because it's long, but the angel turned to him and said, he was a pastor in Africa. And turned to him and said, if you were to remain here, this would be your lot today. Just like that. And in his testimony, he says, and I said, but Lord, there can't be. I was, I'm a pastor, you know, I minister to people. I was, you know, and, and he, he's, he's speaking to the angel. He's telling him, how could this be? You know, I, I've been ministering to people all my life and, you know, the gospel. And how could I be here? You know, how could this be my lot? And he said, he turned to him and says, this will be your lot because you could never forgive your wife. I want you to think about that for a minute because that's very powerful. How many of you are walking in unforgiveness? You don't have to raise your hands. But see, these are things that we have to self-introspect within ourselves and see where we are at in our walk with God. Where are you? Where are we in our walk with the Lord? Oh, I got seven seconds. Let me hurry up. <laughs> it says you will be tor- bitterness brings torment. You'll be tormented. Matthew 18, 21, 25 says, Jesus declared that unforgiveness in a person's heart causes God to have to turn you over to the tormentors. Look at that. Unforgiveness in your hearts, in a person's heart, causes God to have to turn you over to the tormentors. Number three, you will be defiled. Hebrews 12, 14, 16 says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, thereby many be defiled. Bitterness will bring defiling into every area of a person's life, relationship, and endeavor. For those are sins that you carry. Do you know the bitterness and the anger and the unforgiveness? You carry that anywhere you go. And you carry that into new relationships. You carry that into your job. 
You, everywhere you go, you're carrying that thing. And God did not mean for you to carry that. The next one, number seven, is condemnation. And when I talk about condemnation, I'm talking about an appeal to some supernatural power to inflict evil on someone or some group of people. The, conde- the kind of condemnation I'm talking about is the type that groups have used to torment and torture others. That type of condemnation. Nations that have tormented their people, killed for no reason. That type, those, that's a sin... It, and a lot of times condemnation goes along with greed because the, the killings have to do with some kind of money they want or something they want from somebody or from some nation or something like that. So we look at some examples. We could see Job. Um, Satan was the accuser against Job. He called the accuser of the bre- he called I mean the accuser of the brethren in Revelation 12:10 and accuses the believer to God day and night, right? The tactics he uses are domination, intimidation, and control. Judges 6, 1 through 5, the Midianites use these tactics to keep Israel in bondage to their tyrannical rule. So you see it throughout history. You know, and it's still happening today, people. Look at some of these nations. It's still happening today. You know, we're worried about little things here, but go to Syria, go to these countries, and you're seeing Christians being martyred every single day for the cause of Christ. They're being tormented. They're being tortured. They're being gassed. Look what Hitler did in Germany. And so on and so forth. And it just goes on and on and on. The Assyrians were one of the worst. They they depended upon frightfulness as a means of overcoming their enemies. Cruelties come from the records of the Assyrians themselves. Their chronicles boasted of them as evidence of their valor. The enemy has used this mighty weapon to control people, groups, nations for centuries and you see it in the Israelites the 400 years in what in bondage right where they were slaves where they had to build for the for the for Pharaoh and 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 they had to build these temples and make bricks and mortar and so on and so forth and barely got any food for it that's condemnation torture of people The Roman Empire used crucifixion and other means of cruelty to intimidate their subjects as well. When you go into history. Praise God. Mm. I'm going to read, I'm going to conclude now, but I want you to really put this word in your spirit today. And I want you to really begin to think within yourself. Where am I failing God? Am I living as God called me to live? Am I doing what is right in his sight? Or am I still living as if and living as if Christ is never returning? Remember what we read in the beginning? Narrow is the gate that leads where? And few find it? Is narrow. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to get there. I want to enter in. I'm doing everything in my power. And I don't know about you, but I work out my salvation every day with God. And I'm going to challenge you today to work your salvation out every single day with God. And if you need to repent, repent completely and fully. Don't do 360 degree. Just start here and get back to the same place. Repentance means stop what you're doing. Stop what you're doing. 
do a 180 degree turn and let's get it right. And if you see a brother or sister struggling with something, speak to them, help them, pray with them. I'm going to read the conclusion because I got this, this conclusion I'm about to read to you. It was so powerful for me. And um, it was part of the uh, article from the magazine I read from Charisma. The powers of darkness have used a dominating has used dominating fathers, mothers, employers, husbands, boyfriends, and other family members to inflict his damage and gain a foothold in individual lives. Intimidation, domination, and control are maintained through mental and emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, satanic ritual abuse, jealousy, anger, and tempers. Whether attacking a small child or seeking to gain control over a whole nation, these seven weapons have proved very effective for the powers of darkness. And that is so true. Those seven weapons I just spoke about encompasses just about everything. Satan and his demonic army use them with skill and deadly intent. God has not left the human race vulnerable to these forces without protection and hope of victory. He has given to us weapons that are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. Let's stand up. Hallelujah. I hope you guys were able to capture most of those scriptures. If you didn't and you need some, just speak to me afterward. If you have questions, you can also speak to me afterward. But I would like to invite you up this morning, this afternoon. If there's something that you need to give to God, and I'm going to talk about also, you know, when in, in the book of Acts and some other books of the Bible, when people came repenting, they came confessing their sin as well. So they heard God's word. They heard the word of Jesus, and they came repentant and confessing their sins. Let me say something. We all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. There's nobody here that's perfect because if you were perfect, you'd be dead already and you'd be gone. We all have messed up. We all have issues we're dealing with. But they're not issues that cannot be dealt with if we only dove into God's word. We spoke to someone who can help us pray through these issues.